This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Forever. Dog. Rose and Jamie are two best friends And they love sex and the city And they couldn't help but wonder Do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Cheese, So many dudes. Every single dude All the dudes And we couldn't help but wonder With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno I'm Jamie Lee and I'm Rose. Rose Cerno, that is. And this is... Couldn't Help, Help But Wonder. A podcast where we talk about S and the city and how it relates to, to us. Sex in the city for new listeners. Yeah, just in case you're like S in the city. Yeah, guys. Hello. Welcome all. Rose, how are you feeling? Who were you this week? I am the opposite of Carrie. Oh, because this is a therapy episode. Yes. And this is an episode about how Carrie hates therapy, which is hilarious because it's my favorite thing in the whole wide world. I know this is a juicy app. Yeah. And it's good for the for the show that she doesn't like therapy, because if she does, then she'd get over her problems and then we'd have nothing to watch. Yeah. But for a real human being, it's not good, especially with somebody who makes the same mistakes. All this to say, um, my BF and I hit kind of a rough patch and I called, I saw him this morning and I asked him permission to talk about this because I only want to talk about things on the pod if it relates to him, if it's okay with him, mm-hmm. because it's important when you're in a relationship to, you know, treat your partner with respect. So I asked if it was okay if I talked about this and he said, yes, I'm not going to get too far into it, but we had some problems. He's been extremely stressed Um, He has a lot on his plate and as somebody that has done a lot of self-work and I've gone to therapy and I'm on meds, um, I was recognizing in him an unhealthy amount of anxiety. It was really affecting our relationship in a really bad way and I kind of gave him an ultimatum, not really, but I, I was saying the way things are going are is unmanageable. Your stress is unmanageable for me. And I suggested therapy. I suggested he investigate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my therapist was like, you can't tell someone to do that stuff. You can suggest that's all you can do. That's oh, okay. somebody else's thing. Right. Um, and, you know, his stress level was really affecting the relationship. Because when you're with somebody, what you're going through doesn't just affect you. It affects your partner. Because mm-hmm. you're with someone and you love them and, you know, whatever. And we were talking the other day and I sent him this article about um, there's an article in the Wall Street Journal called What Anxiety Looks Like for Men. And I sent it to him. I texted it to him. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, 
because I send them a lot of self-helpy shit because I follow so many like Instagram accounts and this and that. And so I just send them stuff if it seems relevant. Yeah. And then I text them and I was like, hey, if this is stressful for you, if you feel like I'm criticizing you by sending this stuff, please let me know. I, I won't send it anymore. And he was like, it's okay. I, I appreciate it. I made my first therapy appointment and I'm like, you know, gonna great to me. That was such a huge deal. Yeah, it's huge. And this is the kind of thing I think makes a relationship worth working on is I was telling him that his stress level was affecting me and affecting the relationship and that I, I really needed that to change. And the fact that within a week, he took a huge step and did something that takes some men years. I mean, right. my mom begged my dad to go to therapy before they got divorced, and he refused. So many people I know's husbands or boyfriends would never mm-hmm. consider it. Yeah. And the fact that my boyfriend was like immediately like yes. yes I will do this for me and for us yes makes me feel like this is a relationship like really oh, worth that's investing so good in. I'm so jealous I've tried to get Dan to go he went a couple times but it is not he does not like it well that's the majority of men yeah and but he's he's it, it's interesting because he's he's still open to going he's just like I haven't found the person who like essentially is like smart enough where I want to talk to them. That makes sense. I do yeah. think it only works if you like your therapist, but yeah. you have to then make yeah. a lot of appointments yeah. to find the person. You can't yeah. just sit and it's, be like, I haven't found exactly. them. Exactly. It is. Um, it's it a is, proactive thing. It's proactive and it's time consuming and you have to be willing to take the time to do it because there is an element of finding the right therapist. A hundred percent. I always tell people who've never done therapy before that it's like dating. If you it date somebody be. you don't like, it's pointless. If you date somebody that you're in love with, it's amazing. It's only as good as your connection with the person. Yeah. Um, but to me, something that makes me feel loved and cared for in a relationship is if I present my needs and then my partner immediately hears it and makes a change. That to me makes me feel like there's a real chance for longevity. Like Agreed. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I just am so proud of him. And, and it's still like new in the relationship and the fact that you're already able to sort of take on these larger issues. I mean, you know, anxiety is a lot. It's a pervasive issue that can affect couples in a lot of different ways. I struggle with anxiety. My husband Almost struggles. Everybody does. Yeah. I mean, it's trendy at this point. Um, oh, no, it's just common. It's I, just, I'm making right. a joke. Yeah, I don't yeah, actually yeah. think it's trendy, uh, yeah. but I think everyone's suffering from it to some degree. And a lot of people feel guilty about it and they don't take action or, yeah. You know, there's sort of like I think also people dismiss their anxiety because we live in an age where anxiety is truly affecting everybody and everyone is working way more and their lives are consumed by being on social media that makes you feel terrible and like preys on human insecurity and like everyone's dealing with anxiety. So it's nice when someone can say, I know everyone deals with it, but I'm dealing with it personally and I'm taking charge for the sake of myself and my relationship. Exactly. Because the thing is, there's nothing he's dealing with that I haven't dealt with before. I'm even more sensitive to it because I have like clinical anxiety. I mean, I'm I don't feel anxious, but that's because I've take medication and I've been in therapy for 19 years. So I don't feel my anxiety that much anymore. But that's it's so there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know also, that's how I'm I feel employed right now. Talk to me in January when I don't know. Well, that is huge because <laughs> yeah. I think that anxiety, f- anxiety flourishes with idling. Yes, of course. And that's what's really hard because I'm in the same zone you are where I'm like, oh, I'm fine right now. Because I'm busy. 
I have no time. Right. I have no time to indulge those feelings or thought spirals. And then it's like, oh, but the second life slows down, I'm just like, ah, of course. (laughs) What do I do with myself? Of course. And the thing is, like, I think him being anxious is very typical. I'm most people I know are anxious, but what's not typical is that he's doing something about it. Because most people do jack shit yeah or like you said it takes longer like he it it was a week right it's amazing yeah and to me that's i mean huge it was unsustainable like i was getting to a point where i was like i mean i was very clear with him i was like this cannot right um so anyway yeah and that makes me feel more it's really interesting too how feelings can change because like when when i was upset i felt very it was hard for me to access my like loving feelings towards him Mm -hmm. and like since he's done that like then we spent time together and now it feels romantic again and it's amazing how people can change and then it can make you feel romantic again yeah oh i'm so glad me too and i asked really glad his permission yeah i was like i was like do you mind if i talk about this because this is your business it's not uh, you know if you say no, I have no problem not sharing this. Yeah. And I told him, I said, the only benefit of me sharing it is that our yeah, listeners who either have anxiety or have partners who have anxiety. I think the most important thing in a partnership is if somebody hears your needs and makes a change. Yes. Because that feels romantic. That feels like you care about me. Yeah. And it's hard because sometimes that, yeah, that's, it's so tricky. I could talk about this forever, specifically with anxiety, but it's also hard to when you have a need and you express it to your partner and you ask yourself, is this a need that is coming from a place of like, I need it, you have to fulfill it? Or is it something that my partner actually can't help me with? It's actually something I'm dealing with. Well, that's why I go to therapy because I ask my therapist, is this appropriate? Is yeah. this? Yeah. You know, because I sometimes need to check. Everyone that, does. That's Everyone, what I actually we're think. All, yes. We're all like checking in with our gut where we're like, is this a me thing or is this a they're not fulfilling me thing? Well, I think if somebody's behavior, I think if somebody's in a really bad place, that for sure affects a partner. And like, of course, you have to be there for each other through ups and downs. But if somebody's downs are really long and consistent, exactly. then it is a them thing. Yeah. Because it's not fair to you but if it's just something like they're not inspiring me or something then maybe that's something you could do right i also just think it's a collaboration like you know if it's something like oh we need to jazz things up it's like maybe both partners decide to like plan a fun trip or you know whatever yeah that's yeah that's true i think traveling and, and going on a romantic trip helps a lot too yes god i want to take a vacation yeah don't even mention it um gal who are you this week um, I mean, I'm definitely back to Miranda. I uh, just, I yeah, I feel like Miranda doesn't. Well, actually, on the show, Miranda has pretty decent work life balance. I don't right now, um, because it's all falling on me, and I don't have anyone to help me. So I'm just uh, doing work all the time. After we leave here, I have to go to work, and this then I'm also Saturday trying to morning, do by the way, yeah, yeah, Saturday morning. Um. And then I'm also trying to do stand up and I'm now in this place of like, I guess I'm a little carry because I am thinking about like what my I want to do an hour for Netflix and I'm trying to figure out what that would be. And um, how is that Carrie? It's uh, just because she's a writer. Oh, right. OK, <laughs> cool. That's literally the only because Carrie does stand up. <laughs> like, Carrie's a um, comedian. No. Um, yeah. So but also, yeah. So I feel like I'm a Miranda Carey blend right now. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's a lot. Dan's on the show, too, with you, right? Yes. He's working does that on help the show. to have. No, <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. It's it's 
it, he gets what you're going through. He's super helpful in that he writes great jokes and all that stuff. Um, but nobody can shoulder like what like there's no person who can come in and like I mean it sounds like fucking up my own ass but there's no, it's not actually no one who can do what I do and that's that is the part where I, I'm like I wish I was more than one person I just don't have enough me in terms of like making decisions and stuff I wish you could clone yourself as a cute little Pomeranian who yeah. also spoke English it sounds weird I yeah that you just you get to a point where you're like it's not that I like, oh, no one can like Dan is so instrumental in so many ways in in that like he is someone I can talk to and like ha- he does help me like make decisions and stuff. But it's just like there are certain things where I am being asked to make the decision and I can't hand it off to anyone. And that's when I'm just like, I wish there was more me because I'm so tired. I don't want I want to allocate. I want to delegate. I don't want to be the one doing all this. And we just don't have that really but everyone else is also working their fucking ass off no no it just sounds like so this is what the being part. an ep yes. type of person and is. i know i complain about it a lot no, no, no. i don't think you're complaining you're just complaint. expressing i'm expressing yeah I, I yeah and that's that's the really hard part but it's also the thrilling part because the silver lining is that you start to trust yourself and you also realize that you actually can make those choices and i think that i've probably talked about this before but when you're used to being a subordinate in some way, having bosses above you, having all this stuff, you kind of are in this place where you're always looking to other people to make the bigger decisions. And then at this stage, there is no one above me to make the call. So I have to get to this. Yeah. I have to get to this place where I'm like, Oh yeah. Like just trust yourself, like make the decision yourself. It's your decision. And so for me, I should be in therapy right now because I am struggling with accepting the fact that I have the authority to make a decision. I don't feel qualified. Well, that's imposter syndrome, which everybody yes. has. But I guess the nice that, thing oh, is, that's nice to have that put to it. You're right. It is imposter syndrome. Everybody has it like yeah. at all levels. Yeah. But the nice more I'm, I'm having it more now than I've ever had it Yeah, because you're in the highest position you've ever been in. Yeah. But the good thing is that whether you have it or not, you are making decisions. So even if you're feeling they interesting thing about feelings is um, they're they may or may not be real <laughs> that's so funny and true <laughs> you know what i mean you're so fucking yeah, right like yeah. it's like it's like even so if, true even if you feel like you're you can't do it you are doing it which is just interesting yeah it's interesting it is i but like when i think of like if you when when you are a showrunner which you will be I think like, oh, you have showrunner vibes like you seem you're you speak authoritatively. You're like, this is what I want to do. This is how I feel. You're very in tune. And I am in tune, but I've always been in a place where I'm like afraid to say the thing that I want. And I sh- again should be in therapy for that. I haven't I haven't had time to go therapy, and I'm sure that is on me. I can make the time. But no, no, I no you don't right now. I literally don't have no, it. No, You don't have the time. Especially because my therapist, she's located nowhere near where I work. And I'm like, I need Larch to find on? one. Yeah. Yeah, find one closer to you. I got to find one closer. I love her, though. She's great. Rose recommended my therapist. I'm glad she's that you like her. fucking awesome. Also, the fact that she used to be an actress gives you a lot of shared... She's so smart and she's so sympathetic and, yeah, she knows her shit. Anyways, yeah, I'm just in a zone where I, I need I, my imposter syndrome. It's, it's flaring eating, up. It's eating at me in ways like, yeah, and like with working with Dan... Dan will be like, okay, like, what do we need to do? I need to write stuff. And I'm like, yes. Okay. So write this stuff. And then he'll show me jokes. And I'm like, these are good jokes. But there's part of me that's like, if I'm, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's like, going. 
It's like he'll show me jokes and he's written a bunch of stuff and I end up using a lot of it. But there is this part of like, okay, but at the end of the day, you know your own voice, your stand up. Yes. And then and I know that about myself and he encourages that. He's like, you are you are capable of writing this for yourself. Right. And then I'm just here to help you in case. Exactly. And it's like and I go, yeah, you're right. But why am I not trusting me? On the show that's for me. Like, what is wrong with me? I'm raising my me? hand. Will you call on me? Yes, please answer it for me. Because you are doing so many jobs. You are doing so many things on this show. Yeah. That if all you had to do was write jokes for yourself, oh my God, you could I'd do it. Heaven. But I'd you have 75 other things. So it's yeah. not that you can't do it or that his jokes are better than yours. It's that you don't have the time. Or the mental energy. Right. So that is the point of hiring other people, because even right. even if it's 90 percent you and you could do 100, 90 percent is great and it'll do for the show. Right. You let people do it and move on to the next thing. Right. As long as it's funny enough and it's you enough. Even if you you are 10 percent more you, you don't have the time. Yeah. And You're like, an EP. We just, you have to do EP shit. We just added this. Uh, I'll, we can move on to the episode in two seconds. This is the last thing I'll say is that we added this like segment. So basically like with the show, we have what we shot in reality. And then we have these um, things called dual interviews where it's me and my co-host for that episode. And we're just kind of like shooting the shit and drinking and eating cake. And it's yeah. very fun. We added a new thing, which is just me talking to camera. And that was added two days ago. And it has to be written. And we start shooting first thing on Monday. Yeah, and I started it's not like you just have. I started right. writing them. And luckily, like, because I did girl code for so long, talking to camera, like essentially doing stand up to camera right. is like my wheelhouse. Like yeah. I could do it in my sleep. I'm fine with it. But then I'm like, but it's my show. So it can't just be like girl code where it's like I'm one eighth of the cast. No, it's you. It's all me. Right. And I'm just like. I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I'm drowning. I don't Jamie, know what to do. And I'm worried that the jokes are going to suffer because no. I don't have the, and I've been shutting down and just like watching TV because I'm like, okay, I'll call on you. Yes, go ahead. I'm raising my hand. Jamie, as your therapist, because you don't have therapy right now, you can't write that stuff. You have too much to do. You have to outsource it to somebody that you trust is funny enough to write it for you. You don't have time. Yeah. You don't have time. I don't have that as person now. We don't have it in the budget. Well, There's literally no one else then, who's going to do it. Then you have to have someone write it and then you punch it up. Yeah, maybe. But even if somebody writes it and writes a draft that's not good enough, that's less stressful than a blank page. Yeah. So you, whoever your writers are, hire whatever they are, even if they're not exactly you enough, they're funny, but it's not exactly you. Just have them do a draft. I think I have a control problem and I'm not going to let that happen. <laughs> Well, then in that case, then I mean, that's you, the thing is like it's masochism. I'm like, oh, I should just delegate. But I don't wrote trust, a bad draft that you yeah. make better. That's not helpful. Just a jumping off. Point. I don't think so, because it's so specific. I have to watch the cut and fill. I, we just got a rough cut. I have to watch the cut. I have to fill in holes with jokes. It's fine. I just have to do it and suck it you know up. I'm just so spent. Do it and suck it up. And then when you get a second season, you have a bigger budget. You yep. hire people. That's what I'm thinking. Who you can delegate to do That's some what I'm of the stuff. Do. So you're not. That's what I'm going to do. Going cuckoo. Cool. We made a plan of action. Guys, Jamie <laughs> we do therapy it. right now. We so sometimes it. We that's cured what the pause is. The, the, everything is about therapy. If you take one thing out of this, uh, you know, a lot of the comments we get on Instagram and when yeah. people DM us quite a bit, which we love, love hearing from we you guys. love it. Thank it makes you me so really much. happy. Yeah, it's awesome. But a lot of it. It is not so much about sex and city and it's a lot of people being like man it's really reminding me that i do need to do self-care and therapy and it's like yeah. you know what sex in the city is an excuse for us to talk about therapy and self-care oh yeah so thank you for knowing that i and mean this is essentially like 
in Breaking Bad, like, this is the car wash. It's a front for something else. You know? That's so funny. I love that. Okay. So, guys, today we are covering Season 2, Episode 13, Games People Play, which is all about therapy. Rose, take it away. Thank you, girl. This episode opens with a post-Big Carrie purging every reminder of the guy. Because remember, they broke up at the end of the last episode. She's definitely over it, as she says to Miranda, and to Samantha, and to Charlotte, again, and and again, again, and and again. again. Finally, they can't take any more of her breakup talk. All right, who's going to tell her? What? Honey, you're obsessed with talking about big, and frankly, we can't take it anymore. It's out of our league. What is this, an intervention? Yes, stop her before she obsesses again. Isn't part of the whole breaking up process that you get free reign to whine to your friends? Of course you do. But maybe you should think about whining to a shrink. Why should I pay someone when we can talk for free and then go get a drink or whatever? I don't need professional help. I've got you guys. Yeah, for about another 10 minutes. And then we're cutting you off. Cold turkey. Hey, I don't need therapy. I need new friends. Look, we're as fucked up as you are. It's like the blind leading the blind. Sometimes it helps to talk to somebody who's objective. Okay. I understand why you see a shrink, you know, because you're always in your head. But I'm fine. <laughs> I am functioning. Besides, I don't really, to be honest, I just don't buy the whole shrink thing. Neither do I. I mean, my parents believe that any head problem could be solved with physical exercise. That's why all of us are really good tennis players. (laughs) (laughs) It's a slippery slope. You know, first you're going once a week, then it's three times a week, and then the next thing you know, you're starting your sentences with, well, my shrink says... My shrink says that's a very common fear. Therapy, it's it's just so self-indulgent. Ancient man didn't need shrinks to survive. Ancient man only lived till 30. Yes, Miranda. Great Thank point. you, Miranda. Great it's point. It's so funny because in some ways, Carrie is so cosmopolitan and lives in New York. And I'm just going to say it. People that live on the coast, well, not on the coast, New York and L.A., going to therapy is super fucking common, natural, whatever. Carrie's attitude about it, I'm sorry for my Midwestern listeners, is hella Midwestern. It's very like, I'm not cuckoo bananas needs to be in an asylum. I, I am shocked that Carrie has never been to therapy. And that she thinks it's so like And she's a writer who unpacks relationship issues it's and is sort of wild. like, she's sort of like a sociological expert on the way like on the human condition and dating and interpersonal relationships and i'm just like wait but you don't like talk to someone about those types of things like i'm just so shocked i am too and it's really interesting because there's something that uh i i really related to which is again i consider myself a therapy expert just because i've gone so much and i've gotten so much out of it and i'm obsessed with it But Carrie says something that is a huge misconception of like, oh, why do I need to go to a therapist? I have friends to talk to. A therapist has like 11 years of training and like thousands of hours. And it is an art and a science and a skill and an expertise. Your friends are not therapists. And it's an actual skill. This idea that like. You know, that you could just talk to your partner, your parents or your friends and that that's it doesn't solve shit. No, and also it, it is the blind leading the blind. That's why Samantha's uh, that that line was actually perfect. It is the blind leading the blind. They don't have the skills, the, the education. Yeah. To back it up. Yes, it's it is. It's a 
practice. Exactly. It's and a profession. Exactly. It's real. It's not like, yeah. well, I can't, I don't really want to go to surgery. I'm just going to have my friends like rip my eye open or something. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing too, and again, I think I'm a little bit up my own ass about therapy, but I think I, because it's like a hobby of mine, like I also read a million, I love psychology. I think I do know a lot about how to help people, but not only, even if you have a friend that is a therapist or is a psychologist or a lover or a partner, it's also not their job. And there's a huge difference between filling your friends in and catching up and needing them to solve all of your problems and needing to like, it's a really thin line. It's also something I was dealing with with my partner this week or, you know, the last couple of weeks is like, there's a difference between being there for your partner or your friend and yeah. feeling like you have to like beat by beat, like life coach them through shit, which is not good for the relationship, friendship or partner. In some ways, you're like, yeah, that's what partners do. Yes, you have to support each other, but it's not good to put someone else in that position. Totally. Your friends don't owe it to you. Like, like also they have their own shit. I mean, Samantha's lines in this speech are so dead on. It is everything she's saying is true. Everyone what else did has, she say? She just was like, we we we're just as fucked up as you. It's like right. when you there is such it's it's tricky because your friends are supposed to be there for you and your partner is supposed to be there for you during hard times. Well, Carrie obviously doesn't have a partner in this situation, but your friends are your support system and that is something that you can count on them for. But they also have so much in their own heads and maybe right. they're not expressing it every second, but they're dealing. Everyone who is an adult who has gone through a childhood has some yes. level of, I don't know if we want to call trauma, but I think everyone is suffering in some way as an adult. Completely agree with you. As an adult who um, especially like lives in New York and has to They've got a million you know, things going yeah, on. make a lot of money and, yes. and keep afloat and yes. keep stable. And yes. these are all like independent women. Like it's it's hard the cards are stacked against them and they're all trying so i think that this specifically is like i would say yeah i i think that carrie needs to know that there is a line between leaning on people and downloading on people right and and the thing is about like when you're in a bad place like she's in a bad place because she's post breakup and i can say this because um whenever i'm in a depression or if i'm in an anxious spiral i'm incredibly self-centered like my sister has had to bear so many times of me just like obsessively. Yeah. If you're unhappy, you're obsessed with yourself because you can't get out of it. So yeah. it's all you can think about. And so you have very little room in your head for like the person across from you and even realizing that they have their own needs. And it's a self-centered space to be in. Sure. And so it's kind of your responsibility to take that to other people so that you can be there right, for other to people. Right, to try and take a step back and realize how much you have like put your problems onto someone else. And not just put them onto someone else. This isn't a listening situation. She's also... She's also kind of like expecting th she is expecting therapy. I right. think. What do I do? do yeah. Validate my claims. Because she right? basically monologues and then pauses kind of waiting for that thing that uh, when a therapist interjects that that is what she's craving, which is what yeah. sort of catapults her into going to therapy for the first time. Yeah. So I just want to like make a thing for listeners. Like if you have a friend or a partner or a sister or somebody in your life who like. Yes, of course, you're supposed to be there for people. But if you have somebody who just comes to you to unload 75 pounds of problems, right, to download if, their anxiety onto you like once you're a hard in a while, drive. OK, but if it's constant, you are allowed to say 
that's all I can really take right now or I can't hear this right now. And it doesn't make you an unloving bad person. You also need to protect your own mental health because I know for me, I have to fight very hard to feel calm and happy and I do, but it's a, it's something I fight hard for. So it's, I'm very sensitive to getting knocked off that. Yes. I'm, I very much relate to that. I feel the same way. And yeah, and it is weird because you do, I feel like we're conditioned, especially as women to be good listeners, to be caring, to be nurturing. Yeah. But you have to take a step back at a certain point and, and be like, that's enough yourself. now. Yes. Yep, that's and enough you are now. allowed to. And yes. I remember my sister used to say, okay, Rose, I'm, I'm at my max. Yeah, I'm and, tapped. I'm tapped out. And that's an act of love because you know what? No matter who you love and how much you love them, you always have to love yourself first. Like, yeah. And also loving yourself first makes you a better friend. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, it's a fine line. I also, I very much relate to what Carrie's going through because when I went through my devastating breakup, which I talked to, uh, talked about on the last episode where I was completely blindsided by the breakup, did not see it coming at all. And was just like thwarted and thrown off my path when it happened. Um, I definitely went around just making dates with friends and complaining to them and literally just using people. I understand that. I mean, I we do all too, do, but it, right. it is just like, I look back and I'm like, oh, it's like, I literally was making plans with people I'm not even that close to just to have another person to talk to about it. And granted, this was when I was like in my mid twenties and That's I don't think though. that would happen now. you had now. some way to talk it was, about it. It, it. it was helpful. But at yeah. a certain point it was like, and the next person I'm making an appointment with is a professional. Like yeah. this is getting out of hand. I have a good friend who's been uh, fighting depression and anxiety for a while. And because I'm such a therapy girl, I kind of jumped into the role as her therapist. Mm. And for the sake of you are an excellent listener. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I care. And I I think part of the reason why I jump into that role is because I've had such scary mental health times in my life. And I found things that literally saved me that Mm. if I see somebody I love going through something, I I really don't want them to go. It's I, I want to spare people. As I know much. what you mean, but it was hurting our friendship. And I literally had to say this friend that I love mm. that I'm very close to. I love you, but I'm feeling like this relationship is feeling a little unfair and unbalanced. Mm. And I I love you and I want to be there for you, but I can't like actually do what a, be like a therapist yes, to you. And yes. I need you to make sure you're asking me questions. And and our relationship has gotten better. I love her. I mean, but sometimes you have to say those things. Yeah. Tough convos. Gotta have them. Mm-hmm. Hi, everybody. Tim Heidecker here with huge news. We have a terrific episode of Office Hours Live prepared for you. We had the great stand-up comedian Kyle Kinane come in and a very special in-studio music session from legendary Emdu Mokhtar. You're not going to want to miss this one. You can find it on your podcast app of choice by going to Sears or Macy's and getting an iPod and then coming home, charging it up and listening through your app. Okay, so still skeptical of the whole mental health profession, Carrie consults a true expert, Stanford Blatch. Sadly for her, he's also very pro-therapy. He sees three therapists. Carrie ends up agreeing to see Dr. Greenberg shrink to Gwyneth Paltrow, among other stars. 
Miranda's also started seeing someone new. Directly across from her apartment building, there's a hunky no-name guy who likes to hang out in his window and stare at her. Hot and creepy? Sign Miranda up. Though she's still not into the whole therapy thing, Carrie does go to her first appointment. Through Dr. Greenberg's pensive staring, Carrie slowly confronts the idea that just maybe Carrie might have something to do with her failed relationships. The core four discuss Carrie being a fly trap for shitty guys on the way to a bar, which ends up being packed with more guys. Sports night. Every female's fantasy. A room full of captive heterosexual men, all looking to be distracted during commercial breaks. I'm getting a contact high from all the testosterone. <laughs> we didn't order these. Oh, no, they're on the house. Sports night. Ladies drink for free. Oh, forget Disneyland. This is the happiest place on earth. <laughs> If you ladies will excuse me, I'm getting the Who's winning? Knicks. Come on, boy. Is that good? <laughs> You're not a Knicks fan, I take it. <laughs> not yet. I'm done. Samantha. Don Siegler was a very successful importer of Mexican handbags. He was fanatical about two things, keeping the price of foreign labor down and the Knicks. Maybe I could teach you a few things. And vice versa. It's 10 seconds left. Drive to the basket. The Johnson is on fire tonight. Yes, go, LJ, go! Which is exactly what Samantha did two hours later. Gal, what did you think of this clip? Yeah, I was going to say, is sports night every female's fantasy? I'm going to say a hard no. I would, if I were in the core four and I walked into that bar, I'd be like, I'm out. I'll see you guys later if you're staying here. I'm not dealing with this. I'm not dealing with the yelling. I'm not dealing with all the TV screens. I'm not dealing with like all the men like not paying attention to us except for during commercial break when I'm a single woman like give me a fucking break I'm done I I am like anti-anti sports culture I mean not to make light of this stuff but it feels rapey to be around guys like that thank you I'm sorry I don't mean if you like sports you're a rapist obviously that's not true but the vibe of a lot of testosterone oh, and I masculinity hate it. I don't is, find it hot. it actually makes me feel a little scared absolutely and the way Samantha's like ooh like when they're screaming at a fucking tell you're screaming at a television really unpack what that looks like you're screaming at a fucking piece of electronics from brookstone or wherever the fuck you buy tvs best buy (laughs) and if they have like a little massage function to them but no i'm like that i just no i check out i i gotta leave i went the one time i've ever enjoyed watching no i didn't even no i just enjoyed it because there was hanging out i will say that when i was single in new york I remember I enjoyed watching the World Cup, which I think not to be oh a my bitch. God. I think I was just going to say the, I like soccer. The World Cup and soccer attracts a little less of a thuggy meathead. Yeah, it's more like, European. Yes, yes, it's yes, a little yes. more sophisticated. Yes. And when I went to bars to watch the World Cup, which actually was fun, there were definitely like guys there that were appealing to me. 
Yes, and they're, they were I, more European and more foreigners. I I could not agree more. I actually was in England during the World Cup, and we would go to bars and watch it, and it just felt a little more inclusive. Fun. There were also more women there. There were kids there. I mean, I know it was a bar, but it's That's England, yeah, so like, like kids are at bars. Sorry. But yeah, I just felt like it was a little more like fun for the whole family yeah. versus like. I'm in my man cave. Get right. the fuck out, bitch. Like, well, also, I don't know. I just don't. Yeah, I, I don't agree. go to a positive place. Oh, also, I have like deep moral and ethical issues with football. I think it's like a racist structure. I think, um, I think it's like you know doing brain damage to men. I think it. It it's, also it is. It's not you. Th- it is. Yeah, it's it is. proven to. And also, a lot of the athletes that have been in trouble for like. Beating and Please. beating up their wives, yes. And, and I only feel empathetic, not empathetic, but it is not surprising to me if your job is to take steroids, gain weight, and run straight at another person. That the second you get off the field, you're not going to be like calm. Yes, it breeds a monster. Of course, no, it is. It's monster training. Yeah, you're yeah. in monster training camp. I I think that's an excellent point. I also am in this zone, and I think I want to be clear. The reason that I'm so fired up, I think it's actually it's not at people who enjoy sports. Obviously, I'm not like you. You can enjoy whatever, like whatever you, you like. Yeah, I think for me, because I'm trying to unpack why I'm so angry about it. I do not like the culture of guys get to have very clearly delineated hobbies and women have to sign up for those hobbies. It never works the opposite way. It never is a two way street. It's totally true. And if it is good for you. I'm, that's awesome. It's that one you in a were, mill. Yeah, yeah. No, it really is. I mean, like, I've for me, I was in a place where when Dan and I first started dating, this is like Dan is really not um, a sports guy, but Dan was a hobbyist hardcore in a way that I was like, well, my hobby is trying to make money and stay afloat as a comedian, and I don't have time. In, little and side again, hobbies. I might be I might be wrong. There's, this is just my perception. Just like, well, they, like, you know, I just was not. in a zone where I was like, we don't have time for hobbies. We got to hustle. And so I equated, whether it was right or not, I equated hobbies with laziness. Interesting. And so for me, and I don't, so interesting. I don't know, and I still have that. I don't know where it comes from. I'm again, I, I, I think the, the theme of this episode is Jamie needs to find time for therapy. <laughs> but instead of just this, this episode, I'm just anti- dumping it on every I love it. We're like, don't put your anxiety on people. And then people are listening to this in their cars like, Jesus Christ, They're I like need to find a calmer <laughs> podcast where I'm going to ram into the median. Are you guys using are this you as guys, ASMR? Yes, guys, I'm sorry that I'm screaming at you um, about sports. Well, doing exactly what I said I hate, which is screaming at a piece of electronics. And in this case, it's a microphone. But um, no, I yeah, I just I think I equate hobbies with like a grand luxury and uh, and I just feel like men and again, I know this is a generalization, but men seem to have that sort of like need for hobbies fostered and women, we have them, but not in the way that men make time for them. And I, there's something about sitting there while I watch a guy enjoy a thing and it's not me and it's not like we're talking and we're enjoying something it's not together. Connecting, no. It's like a side by side relationship and I'm yeah. not I'm not going to be like waiting for you to like finish watching the Knicks to talk to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like shut up. Get a grow that was up. Such a funny little rant and the fact that you think I'm totally teasing you here, but Please. the fact oh, that you I deserve think it. that hobbies are lazy cracks me up. Like I just imagine I me do. knitting and you like slapping Smack the out. needles out the of your head. The needle head, goes like, in your Get eye. Get to work, bitch. 
write that pilot. Which I mean, is so funny because as soon as you said knitting, I, my grandmother was like an avid knitter and like so made my literally like clothes for our entire family like sweaters bags hats scarves and she was like one of the like smartest most productive women i knew and she worked really hard as well listen i don't put knitting in a in a hobby group i think it's more like calming it's more like meditative let me just say you're one of the most successful friends i have and in addition to your talent you have an insane work ethic but it's like compulsive it's not whatever it doesn't matter if it is or not but i think that that is your world perspective. And so it's hard for you to see downtime because it <laughs> it looks like something you would never do. And I think it's literally to each their own. I don't think your way is right. I don't think the other way is right. It's just what works for you. Of course. Yeah. I want to be clear, guys. If you have hobbies, good for you. She you thinks you're a lazy them. motherfucking and also, asshole. my hobbies, literally when I have downtime, it's being like a slob on the couch. And that's not productive. Like everybody but has their ways of decompressing and like getting in some them time. Them time. You know what I, I mean? Some of them time. Yeah. Me and my my alter ego. I don't, Rose. I don't know why I said them. <laughs> Me time. But anyways, you know what I'm saying. Well, I also think that depending on what your goals are, I also think that being productive is great, but I don't think it's the end all be all of like a good life or whatever. It is not. Right, right, right. I will, I will say it is not <laughs> as someone who is truly has no work life balance at the moment. Right. And I, I think that like in America, like we were literally founded on Protestant values of like, yeah. if you're not working, you're a sinner. It's yeah. like truly evil and slothful yeah. to like relax. But slothful. <laughs> it's, Go ahead, Skylar. So you want to say something? Jump in. I was just so going to say, funny. I also think that this profession in particular encourages that way more so than w- encourages fully, what? encourages constant having work. no work life balance. A hundred percent. Because we carve out our own hours. So it's like. There's no real well, and I there's mean, no job stability. So exactly, it's sometimes hard exactly. to relax because you feel like you could always be doing something else. That's what it exactly. is. Exactly, it's motivated by fear. Yeah, and also like, I think even people who are not in the arts, I think like there's an American obsession with fame. Like everybody wants to be famous. That's what Instagram is. And if you actually are like you in the entertainment industry and like are around fame and like are you know it is a very attainable thing for you. It makes sense to put all your energy into that. Um, But I just think that uh, I I can only speak for myself. So this is just my POV is I definitely am very achievement oriented. And I feel like my self-esteem, especially in the past, was like directly tied to like if I'm doing cool stuff and if I'm not producing something interesting, like I am therefore not valuable, which is really toxic. And I feel like as the years have gone by, I think I'm a little, I think I'm a lot less ambitious than I was, but I'm also like, that's a maturity thing. But I'm also significantly happier. Exactly. And more relaxed maturity. So I guess it's just kind of a balance. I think making cool things. And like, I think if you are called to make cool work, that's like something you have to do to feel like that's kind of your calling in life. And I think it's important to fulfill that call. But I also think that like some of, the happiest times I've ever had are like sitting around a fire with friends and like laughing mm. and that's not work like that's just like chilling you know yeah that sounds so nice right now we'll do it it'll You're happen. making me crave s'mores girl s'mores the merrier but also I think to Skylar's point we are lucky that our work is our hobby in a lot of way we yeah, really love super fun. what we do yeah yeah so I think that's part of it is just like I do find what I do fulfilling you're not an accountant it's not exactly I don't need a a, that's a really good point no no I think you're absolutely right because I think if you're in the arts or if your job is also your passion yeah then the line between hobby and job is very blurred it's a jobby yeah oh 
That's what I have. I have a job. It's a hob. It's a hob. (laughs) (laughs) It's a Miranda Hobbs. Okay, so. Okay, so. At her next therapy appointment, Carrie meets Seth, a photographer and another one of Dr. Greenberg's patients. Also, haha, Dr. Greenberg, that bitch is not Jewish. She's blonde with a tiny ass nose. <laughs> I don't think so. He's also played by John Bon Jovi, which is who is very hot. I was like, would slam that oh in a second. Oh my God. Wasn't he sexy? So hot. Possibly the hottest guy who's been on this show. I think he blows every other guy out of the water. Uh, Carrie dressed because she knows this hottie is coming. She dresses up for their second run in and also is the only reason she goes to therapy is to see bump into this hot guy. Yes. And over a Knicks game and some wine, Carrie and Samantha get into Seth's mental health. Carrie is stressed about picking up a fellow patient, but Samantha's all for it because he could have good drugs. Okay, Sam. Also, Samantha's very into sports now because Don won't sleep with her if the Knicks lose. Cool stuff from Don. Miranda and her apartment window boyfriend take their relationship to a whole new level. He flashes her his butt and she unbuttons her house kimono to show him one boot. It's quite the steamy sequence. Carrie and Bon Jovi, I mean Seth, catch up for dinner and she boldly goes where her therapist advised her to. She tells Seth she likes him. He likes her too. Miranda, meanwhile, runs into window butt guy at the grocery store. At first, she tries to avoid him, but then figures... He might as well know who he's been window flirting with. Too bad for Miranda. He was actually window flirting with the guy in the unit below hers. Eek, sorry, Miranda. That happened to me in New York when I uh, made eyes at this really handsome guy who was checking me out. And I walked up to him and he said, hi. And he goes, hey, girl, love the outfit. And I was like, oh, I thought you were checking me out. That's amazing. <laughs> Back at Don's place, Samantha hangs out to watch the end of the Knicks season. When they win, it seems like she and Don are finally about to get their sex life back on track. Don, however, reminds Samantha that there's always another sport and switches over to a Mets game. She rightly takes off. Score one for Samantha's self-respect. And after another date, Carrie and Seth get down to a game of sexy twister at her place, which they quickly turn into a game of sexy sex. Afterward, Seth gets real. So what do you think Dr. G would have to say about this? Very bad. (laughs) Bad patients. Bad, bad. I have to tell you, I'm not really into therapy. I think it's kind of bullshit. You're wrong. I'm telling Dr. G I know. No, 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 no. Okay. Cross your heart. Hope to die. So why are you in therapy, seriously? I'm really fucked up about women. Mm. After I sleep with them, I completely lose interest. What about you? What's your problem? I believe in therapy. This moment is called the breakthrough. I picked the wrong men. Although she had made some good points, I stopped seeing Dr. G immediately. I couldn't risk the humiliation of running into Seth in the waiting room. My friends totally understand. I have dated a guy like Seth, and it it, it is mind-blowing. It's actually the exact same thing. Um, it was like the second we slept together, I just saw him like shut down and so not hurtful. care. And I was like, what is wrong with you? Like, shit's just getting good. We just had, like, hot sex. And, like, we're so connected. And it's, like, the second 
that he like finishes it's like all of his care and like interest in me just like drained out of his dick it was like in the pre-com and then it was in me and i was like what do i do with this like now i care extra yeah because i have your care scene exactly yeah it's horrifying i mean this is such a hilarious scene the I mean, it's, ah, I've said it a million times. I love the writing on the show, but I love that. She's like, what were you in there for? And he's like, for not caring about a woman the minute I am done sleeping. I mean, it's so funny. It's amazing. Yeah, it's great. Um, I, uh, I went to a couple, like, I don't know, maybe a year ago. I don't remember when I did this, but I went to a couple sex and love addicts anonymous meetings because mm-hmm. I, my therapist recommended I go just mm. in case I was like, a, I had love addict tendencies, kind of needy, clingy, codependent stuff. And it was really helpful. But I only went to the all women meetings mm. because the fear I get that. is that if you go to a mixed meeting, oh yeah, you meet a really hot guy that looks like Bon Jovi, who's a sex addict. Right. And then you just end up like in the mixed meetings, people are constantly like re-traumatizing. Oh yeah. I feel like hilarious. that's I mean, it's essentially a singles mixer. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really devastating. I I had I had a similar situation with a boyfriend in college where like a couple of months into the relationship, I felt really like eh, and I think it was just that he was so available. That's not really the same thing. It was like just his availability kind of was a turnoff that he was like there for me. I was like, gross. Well, which is very like emotionally immature of me. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think I mean, I talked through through that with my therapist. And when I look back at my dating history, I can think of at least two men who I really like liked and could have had a great relationship. Yeah. But I think it was too scary because I think they were available. Yeah. That just did not feel comfortable to me. It also might have been like at the time it was scary. And now you're in a place where I mean, it took me 36 years. So everybody's on their own journey. Right. Well, and when you're you know, a looker and a twister player like Dude, if you Seth, look like Seth John Bon Jovi, you yeah. can literally he was I couldn't believe how hot he was. Why doesn't he act more? He was good. He was good. Yeah, that hair is just cute. So like I wonder what that casting discussion was. They're like, we should get we need someone fun to play Seth. Like they're like like an actor and they're like, no, more like a giant rock star, but like just for three scenes. It's like, what? How did I he know. even have time in his schedule? Also, something kind of cute and tender about Bon Jovi is that he and his wife have been together for like 40 <gasps> years so and they sweet. have a family and they're like super in love and he doesn't cheat on her. And I mean, he's the kind of guy who could like get whatever he wants. And he's just like, this is my wife. These are my that daughters. Is so this is my family. Hot. It's incredible. Ugh, I love those kinds of dudes. Okay, guys, this brings us to the end of the episode, which brings us to the question of the episode. We spent our childhoods playing games. Were they all just primers for the games we played as adults? Were relationships just a big chess match, strategy, moves, counter moves, all designed to keep your opponent off balance until you win? Was there such a thing as an honest relationship, or was it true? Do you have to play games to make a relationship work? Jamie, thoughts? Yes, a little to a degree, unfortunately. Um, not necessarily throughout, but I believe that in early stages of dating, even if it's subtle, in, you might not even, it might not even be conscious, honestly. It might be subconscious, which is kind of a horrifying thought. I do think the game playing that happens is a little not necessarily, I don't want to say not s- sort of showing all of your cards. Because that sounds kind of cagey, but I think there's a little bit of like drip feeding 
who who your truest self is until you reach a place of trust with someone. And I think part of that is self-preservation. And I think another part of that is fear. And I'm not even saying that this is like good or correct, but when I'm dating, that's how I am. I feel like I have to sort of warm up to saying all of my shit. I don't feel like that's going to come out right away. Is that effective? Maybe because it like keeps them kind of like coming back to sort of like uncover more layers. But also there is the the risk reward situation is that I'm sort of in this place where I'm not fully authentically me until a little further in when we have spent more time together. And if we don't sync up when I'm fully me, well, then it's like I've invested some time that um, maybe could have been saved by just saying who I was right away. A hundred percent full throttle all in. Take it or leave it. I 100% agree and do the same. Um, And my POV on that is that that is a healthy, good thing. Really? I don't think that's playing games. I think it's inappropriate to meet somebody and reveal all these really personal things. I don't think that's... um, emotionally healthy thing to do Mm -hmm. because I do I think trust should be earned why would a complete stranger why would someone you know for three weeks why would you be able to trust I think the only situation that might and I haven't been in this situation I want to be clear about that but there might be a situation where if you're a little older and there are things that you know you want out of life that maybe in your 20s you wouldn't or even your 30s wouldn't have expressed then maybe you do hit a place in your 40s and 50s when you're dating where this you're is like, what I want. this, this is, what is I like. it. Oh, I think and that you're for there sure. too. But for me right now, if I were dating, I would still err on the side of like, oh, let's take it slow. Yeah, I mean, I guess I think that there's, I personally don't think that's game playing. I think it's having healthy boundaries is what you're describing. But the boundary is solidified by the game. There is strategy. Yeah, but I guess I, I think... It's not actually a game, but there is strategy. So that's sort of the fine line, I which do, I think is why I, this episode, this is such a great question. Because yeah. it's like, what constitutes a game? Yeah, I guess if if that's what constitutes a game, then I also agree. I think that in the beginning of getting to know someone, it is a stranger. It, I think for self-preservation and... I think it can be overwhelming to tell people your baggage and your insecurities super early. And I don't think that's when they need to know them. And I don't think that's withholding. I think that's appropriate. I think that stuff should come out as a slow drip once someone has proven that they're, that they're trustworthy and, and that they will have your back because it's hurtful. I made that mistake in my 20s of telling people really personal stuff and then they would disappear and not be mm. there for me. And that was really painful. Oh, because interesting. people need to earn your trust. Yeah. So I think that that's smart. You're the way you're describing. I don't think that's a gamey, slimy way to date. I think that's really healthy. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Well, I had one quick thing. Yeah. I'll make it quick. Yeah. I went real and I'm curious if any of the listeners know and I would love to hear from them. I went like real like Sam Spade on this episode. And I think that there's a full missing Charlotte plot line. It's very strange. So if you read the summary for the episode, it says there's a whole Charlotte plotline that is not in the episode. Hmm. Plus, every episode up till this one has been a full 30 minutes. This one is a flat 21 minutes. Oh, that's crazy. It's yeah. like a chunk of time to be cut out. So guys, out. take Skylar sleuthing and sleuth. see if you can find the missing uh, storyline. Yeah, I bet I'm if so we had curious. Jenny Bix, she could she would tell oh, us. Damn it. I'll, I'll email her. Shh, we gotta hit her up. Yeah, we gotta. 
Okay. Gal, what are you horny for okay. this week? Uh, so, yeah, Sex and the City is obviously a very horny show. We end each episode by sharing what we're horny for. I am horny for Sophia Bush's new podcast, Work in Progress. She has a great interview with Whitney Cummings, which I mentioned, I believe, on the last or two episodes ago. Um, that is so worth a listen. And also, she interviews Liz Feldman, the creator of Dead to Me. And, mm. um, yeah, which is just she's just uh, she's a really good interviewer. She's really smart. She's really interesting. And I like that the podcast is pretty long form. Like the episodes don't feel truncated. They're, mm. they're pretty long, drawn out, unedited pieces of material. And uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. It's just like a great listen for anyone who's interested in like creative, smart conversations. Awesome. Okay. Well, Jamie always has great podcast recommends because oh. I really love Committed, which I started listening oh, to because of you. Isn't it a gem? Oh, yeah, Woman's Brilliant. I think it's a great podcast. It's fucking incredible. Um, this week I'm horny for um, constantly learning to be a better communicator because um, my therapist was out of town for two weeks. So when me and my boyfriend were having some problems, I just had to deal with it myself. And I don't think I dealt with it very well because I was just like, you're stressing me out. You're too stressed. And that wasn't like the best way to like uh, sort of communicate. And then I had a session with my therapist and he said something really smart. And he's like, when there's something that's bothering you to nip it in the bud. So it doesn't just basically in a relationship, Mm -hmm. friendship, work, lover if someone's doing something that bothers you don't wait till it piles on piles on piles on piles on and then you're just like furious which is what i kind of did oops yeah it's okay he's like you have to nip it in the bud as it comes and the best way to do that is just to state your needs and be very specific and concrete and frame it in a positive way and he kind of went through some different things i could say like this is what I need. This, this, and this. I really thrive with this. I would love it if you did this and this and this. And then the person, lover, partner, work colleague, whatever, family member, they can either do the things or not do them. But if you don't really lay out something very concrete and very actionable, then they can't do it. So I guess I'm just learning how to communicate better and... I think it's really helpful instead of saying to somebody, you, you're too stressed out. You're stressing me out. That's not really giving them anything to do. If I can say, I need you to do this, this, and this, then they can actually do it. Yeah. That's great advice. Yeah. And so I, I found that really helpful. So it's also, it's so funny because it's such a, it's so simple, but it's hard to execute. Well, it's not, doesn't come naturally. What comes naturally is just to blurt out your feelings. <laughs> yeah. Or to not say anything. Yeah. That's hard. I can't do that. It's like, I actually physically can't because then I start to get so resentful mm. and then I can't anymore. Right. And you're, well, yeah, in the case of this relationship, you're also like invested and you yeah, know that and he's want, like a great guy and yes. you're trying to make things work. Yes. Yes. But I, I think it's also a good tip for like work stuff, friendship stuff. Like if you can identify what will make you happier, like, hey, if you could come to work on Saturday and do this so that I didn't have to do this, that would make me really happy. Then Someone can actually do it, check it off, and then you can see that they're... But if you don't give people specific tasks or specific things, then it's hard to measure if things are getting better. Yeah. I, um, to really quick, I I struggle with, like, realizing, because I, I grew up, and we talked about this, like, I grew up in a very, like, volatile household. There was a lot of fighting. So my instinct is always, like, don't, like, don't disrupt the flow by stating your needs. Because then it'll be a horrible... It's a whole thing. My right. mom, if I even, like, say anything, it's, like, gonna cause problems. A, fight, a scary well, fight. Well, also because my dad is very hard of hearing. He's, like, 80% deaf. Oh, wow. If I even say, ask my dad a question, I know... 
it's going to be a starting place for what did you say? What did you say? Right. What did you say? Right. So I always go in. I go, that just makes sense. don't cause the stress. Yes. And then my mom would flip out like, put in your hearing aids. Right. She's asking you a question. So I just go, you know what? I'm just not going to say anything. Not saying anything causes the least, the path of least resistance That's for me. That's really smart that you know that about yourself. I'm just learning That's it. brilliant. But it is, it's so hard for me. I equate any kind of not even like confrontation literally stating just a like need. stating a thing i just go that must be a huge inconvenience for the other person i'm never gonna do it well that makes perfect sense and that's really smart that you know that and i mean i did not my parents are both very volatile anger problems both of them it was not a safe environment for me to share my feelings sharing needs was terrifying yeah. and i was definitely not going to get them met so it's also taken me 36 years to i mean in the guy that i dated before this guy rick I yes. had to tell him that I needed him to make plans earlier. I remember this. Yep. And I was sweating. I was so scared because I am not used to saying what I need, but I have to learn to do it because otherwise I'm going to be miserable. It's also, we all, I think it's not just you. We all have to get to a place where we realize communication is not the same thing as confrontation. Yes. And saying that you're uncomfortable, saying that something has this. been on your mind is not the same thing as you did this to right. me. Totally. You shamed me. You scorned right. me. Yeah. And I think that especially if you grow up in a volatile household, which most you, people have, I bet. You equate stating what you need with fighting and conflict. And it, yes. it would be so nice if we all got to a place as adults where we're like, the two things can coexist and they are not the same thing. Well, it makes perfect sense, as you said. If, if your 18 years of training were, when I do this, it's a bad result, why would you keep doing yeah. it? And I think the healing part is finding somebody who, when you bring up a need, is able to hear you and meet it and make you feel safe. And one thing I have to say about my boyfriend is I feel very safe oh, that's saying so good. what I need. And yeah. he is never defensive. That's incredible. No, he hears what it. a virtue. When I said, like, you're really anxious, he's like, I think you're right. I think that is a problem. I think I think this has been a problem and mm -hmm. I've just never been able to. So I think what heals that is presenting those things to somebody who is a safe person. Oh, here, here. I love you. Love you. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod. And follow my co-host, Rose Cerno, on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host, Jamie, at ReallyJamieLee on Instagram and at TheJamieLee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty. It helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever Dog This has been a Forever Dog production Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey And mastered by Anna Rubinova For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com And subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team And liking our page on Facebook <coughs> Ha